Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about the devil, and I mean that. Um, And I'm excited to kind of build out this uh, teaching and build out this series. It has been eye-opening for me. And I have studied the Word of God now for decades, and I am seeing things like I have never seen before. And I think it is going to help you because I know it is helping me. And so I can't wait to open up scripture with you tonight. So let's do it. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at something in verse number 10, Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. Paul is writing here to the church at Ephesus, and he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible, if you're wondering, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, notice the personalization here. So that you, notice this, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, let's just stop right here. Is there a devil? According to Scripture, yes. Is it something that you personally are going to have to be aware of to know how to fight? Yes. You put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Um, I, I think that there are so many people who are unmindful that there are demonic forces that are trying to influence everyday life. And when I say everyday life, I mean your everyday life, my everyday life. And this is not designed to scare anyone. This is absolutely designed to make you aware that it is unwise to throw a picnic in a war zone. But for you to be aware that there are things going around your life that you need to be aware of and that you have eyes that see, ears that hear, and a heart that understands so that you can be effective in this life, both in living it but also in expanding God's kingdom. And here, Scripture's literally telling you that there are schemes that the enemy has for you and that God is equipping you with the power of his might to deal with those schemes. It keeps going here, and it says, for our struggles. Now, once again, notice the personalization, for our struggles. Uh, And I know right now in your life, uh, there are certain struggles that you have. There are struggles that I have. There are struggles that we have in family. There are struggles that we have with personal discipline. But I want you to see what Paul and Scripture, the Holy Spirit, attributes to your struggle. And I often wonder if you are attributing this to your struggle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against powers, rulers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And so here he's naming the enemy, the devil, and all of his cohorts, if you will, that are designed to influence and scheme against your life. Why? To make you struggle. That there are schemes that the enemy has that makes a city struggle, that makes a nation struggle, that makes people struggle. And the reason why, no matter how much money government throws at it, the struggle continues is because it's not flesh and blood. It's something entirely different than what you are seeing with the natural eye. There is a spiritual force there 
that must be dealt with spiritually. Um, I've said this for years, you can't medicate a demon. And out of this, there are so many people who are like way too mindful of the devil, that everything is the devil. And so it's like, I lost my keys, the devil is at work. Or I've seen, uh, you know, preachers stand too close to the monitor and it screeches and like, I rebuke you, devil. Like, we can be so aware of him that it is completely unhealthy. Uh, But just as dangerous to be so aware of him is to be so ignorant of him. That when we are struggling in life, we simply work harder in the flesh instead of evaluating that there is something else there in the nation. There is something else there in the city. There is something else there behind the scenes. There's something else there uh, behind our struggle even. And he tells us that you need to, to get ready for this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day. Now, notice once again, he's saying in your life, and I think you've seen this. I know I have. Jesus saw it in the wilderness, that there are certain days where it seems like life is under attack, that my mind is under attack, that there's just an acute level of stress. There's an acute level of weariness. There's an acute level of frustration. There's an acute level of maybe even physical pain. But you you sense that you are under attack. We see this in Jesus' life. We see this in Peter's life. In fact, we'll read this later. But Jesus tells Peter, Satan desires to sift you. Uh, We see this in Job's life. His life went through attack. The enemy was there attacking his life. That there are moments where our lives are under attack. And it says when it's under attack... If you don't know that there are uh, wicked forces behind this, you will solely try to deal with it naturally. And the reason why it's not working for people is because it's not just natural. There is something spiritual behind it that must be resisted on a spiritual level. So here, literally, Paul is doing a whole discourse. Like, this is not like a one-off teaching, and I'm going to show it to you all throughout Scripture, so just have fun. Uh, that, That out of this, you're going to see the New Testament church was so much more mindful at this, which is why you read the book of Acts, they were so much more effective at reaching their community. Because they understood what they were dealing with, and they also were not afraid of it because they knew the Holy Spirit of the living God in the name of Jesus is greater than anything we face in this world. But he tells us, therefore, take on the full armor of God that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand firm, having your your loins girded, and we're going to hit this over and over again, with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all these things, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows, notice this, of the evil one. So once again, where's the attack coming from? It's coming from the evil one. That there are evil days and seasons, but behind those evil seasons and days, there is an evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Uh, You're in a fight. And I don't know if you knew this or not, um, but you are. You are in a fight and I am in a fight. And the things that we're fighting against, and this is what I'm going to teach on for, I don't know, however long on Sunday PMs, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Everyone say it with me, just for fun. And I know I'm taking you back to Sunday school. Just say this when they say the world, the flesh, and the devil. All right, let's go back to the book of Genesis. Book of beginnings, how all of this started. In Genesis, I want you to see original sin. And I want you to see that this is a format for your life and every sin that has ever been committed in the history of the planet. Genesis 2 and verse number 15. Then the Lord God took the man, being Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. That literally means, Adam, guard your garden. Um, Meaning, there is something that is going to try to get in. Keep it. Guard it. 
protect it. Um, and so God gives him the warning that in your world, something is going to try to get in. Um, and so out of that, the Lord commanded the man saying, from every tree of the garden, you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So notice in this beautiful world, um, the world, the flesh, the devil, in this beautiful world that God has created, there is one thing in it that is harmful. And it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, my son, Benjamin, the other day came home and he's like, why did God make that tree? And I'm like, that's a great question for a 10 year old. And you know, you've heard me teach about this all the time, but just in case you're new to church, let me explain. Why would God make that tree? It's a great question. It'd be so much easier if he didn't. But why did he? Because you can't have love without choice. And you've heard me say this for years. If you only have one item on the menu, I don't know what you love more. It's like if all there's on it is a 10-ounce filet, that's all you can get is a 10-ounce filet. But if I put other options on the menu, options reveal preference. And God did not want a slave. God has always wanted a son. He's always wanted a daughter. A slave has no choice. A son and a daughter does. So in the world, God presents choice. Now, every other tree is fantastic. You can eat from all of these other trees, but in the world, there is something that is harmful for you. For you. In the world, there is something there, and you're going to see this later, it's almost attractive to you. Um, in the world, there is something there that if you choose it, it will be harmful for you. So here you have the world with something almost attractive, but at the end of it, God is saying there is death there. There is, there is something here that if you choose it will be bad for you, the world. Next, we're going to see the devil. Watch this in Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was much more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said, now let's just stop here. Do not be ignorant of the devil's devices, of the schemes he has against you. You're going to see what his scheme is here. He's challenging the word of God. He's challenging her ideology on how she should live. Up till now, it has been God has said A, B, and C, and he is going to challenge that, and he's going to lie against it to try to, get this, to try to formulate in her soul a new truth. People have this idea of the devil of like exorcism, and when you are at spiritual warfare, you're casting out a demon. And what you're going to see through scripture is while there is some of that, that's not really where he's at. He disguises himself. He's in the shadows. He comes as something that you almost don't recognize so much so you entertain. He competes for your attention. And it's always with a lie to establish a new ideology in you. And when you understand this, you will see all that is going in in our world in a whole different light. When he comes on the scene and we first see the devil, he disguises himself. Uh, he doesn't come with like a, a pitchfork and, you know, a red tail and horns and something that you would think you need to be afraid of. He comes as something that you would entertain and talk with. And he begins to throw out thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Now, what is the schemes of the devil? It is thoughts, ideas, and suggestions to establish a new ideology in you. And so he starts telling Eve something contrary to what God has told her. And watch what he does here. The serpent's more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat 
from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you will not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. Now, what's he doing? God has said something and he's coming back with, no, that's not true. You don't have to do that. Well, but, but God has said it. I know, but it's, it's not true. But this is what scripture is teaching us. I know, but no, it's not that way anymore. We've moved along. We've progressed. Um, well, but, 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 but God has said this. I, I know, I know, I know, but it's not that way. It's actually a different way. And he is making God out to be the liar. And he is trying to establish a new truth in her that is rooted in a lie. And he's going to say it enough and say it enough and say it enough and talk to her enough until a new ideology comes into her soul that makes her believe him versus God. And watch what happens here. The servant says to the woman, verse 4, you will not die. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Now, notice this, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Watch the flesh in verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. So now you've got something in the world that is dangerous that God is like, stay away from that. You've got the devil now saying, no, the thing in the world that God said is dangerous that you have a choice to choose that's actually a little attractive to you, it's not actually dangerous. It's not actually bad. And the woman is looking at it, and her flesh, it, it, it kind of wants it. And so now you have the world, the flesh, and the devil conspiring against Eve to make her violate something that God has spoken to her by his word and asked her not to do. Why? Not to control her, but to protect her from absolute chaos. And any time God is asking you to do anything for a city, for a world, for a planet, uh, for your family, for your husband, for your wife, it is to protect you from chaos. And what the, the lie is, is like, no, it'll actually be better for you. This is a better way of living than what God has said. God's trying to control you. God's trying to keep you in a box. God's trying to stifle your fun. That's the old ways. Here's the new way. All those kinds of things. Establishing a new thought process. Establishing a new idea creating a new uh, uh, thought process, creating a new ideology that she begins to act upon. And when she acts upon this new ideology, it, get this, it creates a new reality. Chaos comes rushing into her life. Shame comes rushing into her life. The whole garden is changing. And when we, when we talk about spiritual formation, and like that's a new buzzword, which is wonderful for disciples of Jesus, we need to be formed spiritually. One of the things that often gets left out that annoys me just a little bit is us not understanding there is nothing you see in this world or in your life that is not spiritual formation already. Where the world was before sin was formed from a spiritual place. Hebrews says it this way, so that the things that you see were made from things that you do not see. Everything in the natural was formed from something spiritual. But so is all of the chaos and pain. So is all the loneliness and depression. So is all the wars. So is all the suicide. So is all of the abuse. So is all of everything that has ever made anybody cry. Everything that has ever made anybody hurt. Everything that has ever invited any type of chaos into any marriage, family, child, any of those things. It was formed spiritually. And the way God was forming beauty was he was creating his ideology in the hearts of his children and asking them to live by that ideology. 
And what Satan did to create a new reality in the lives of God's people was to give them a new ideology that as they acted on those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, it introduced chaos into the world. And the reason why that chaos still exists in the world is because his ideology is still running rampant. And it is going unconfronted. And if you want to bring the kingdom of God into your life, it's as simple as embracing and hearing God's ideas, adopting that ideology into your family and life, becoming a disciple of Jesus, esteeming his word as greater than yours, and submitting to that. And when you submit to God's word, it brings his reality into your life. But what does Satan do? He comes for that word. The word of God is the most dangerous thing to Satan's kingdom. It terrifies him. He is, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Go, go over. Okay, 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 okay. Go over to John. John chapter 8. And let's look here at an exchange that Jesus has with the Pharisees. John chapter 8 and verse number 31. While you're turning, Peter said this, for your adversary, your adversary, say this with me, Sunday school again, I like it. Let's change it up, though. My adversary. adversary. Now, think about that. Right now, you have an adversary. Well, somebody says, what's he doing? He's trying to establish a new ideology in you. New thoughts, new ideas, new suggestions. He wants to go unnoticed. Because as long as he's unnoticed, he'll never be resisted. He wants to go unnoticed. He wants to go unseen. He wants to hide behind the world. He wants the world to reinforce his ideas, which is honestly where we're at now. It's the exact opposite of Eden. Now you have one tree, which is Jesus and his word that you are to eat of, and every other tree has something dangerous on it. And out of that, the world now reinforces his ideology. And the world, the flesh, and the devil conspire against the planet to make people be rebellious to God's will and submitted not to their desires, but to the desires the father of lies gave them. Not noting it was him from the get-go that put that idea in them to begin with. And you're going to see it here in John. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus, is this too deep? Okay. John chapter 8 and verse 31. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him. Now watch this. These are people... See it in this light. These are people who are accepting his word. Now, if I, if I am accepting your word, it means I am accepting your ideas. I'm accepting your suggestions. I'm suggesting, uh, I'm accepting your desires. In other words, I'm embracing your ideology. And somebody says, well, you keep saying ideology. What does that mean? Psychologists put it this way, that all of us have mental maps. Now, Somebody says, well, what does that mean? It means if I was to ask you, what's the quickest way to get to your house? You have a thought, you have an idea, and a suggestion of certainty of what that is that your mind automatically goes to. And so if you were to ask me that, I would be able to say, well, you want to turn here, and you want to go there, and you want to look for that, and then you want to keep going. That's the fastest way to my house. Well, why do I believe that? Because I have accepted that as my truth. Now, that could be layered uh, throughout everything. That ideology is creating your reality. So here's uh, another thing. Uh, how, How should you get happy? 
You're sad, how do you get happy? You have an ideology there. What's the best restaurant in town? You have thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Uh, things from experience, things that other people have told you. What's the best form of government? Uh, what's the best political party? Uh, what's the best church? What, hey, Fondren Campus, right? So, but you have an ideology. Now, get this, get this. You have an ideology that came from somebody's truth. And that ideology is producing your actions. So when you think anniversary, go to the best restaurant, you go there because you have a certain idea, you have a certain certainty based off of previous experiences and other people's truth that has formed your ideology. Therefore, that ideology is determining your reality. And so when Jesus came and he said he was anointed by God to overthrow the works of the devil, we think of sickness and disease. And he's like healing people and raising them from the dead, which he did. But the best and, and most important thing when he's destroying the works of the devil is not just opening the eyes of the blind. It, has, it was this. You have heard. But now I say unto you, here's a new truth. Here's a new idea. Here's a new, and it goes counterculture to everything you've heard. You have heard, hurt your enemy. You have heard, they hit you, you hit them back as hard as you can. Where did that thought, idea, and suggestion come from that's determining your reality? Where did it come from? And Jesus' point is, you didn't see him, you didn't notice him, you didn't recognize him, but that didn't just come from you. That came from something else. And so who's creating all these rules? The Pharisees are. And he's about to have an exchange with them that when you understand this, it opens up scripture where you see when Jesus is overthrowing the works of the devil, the chief thing he is doing to do that is to give the planet new ideology. And the ideology is the one from the beginning. It's the heart of the living God for how his children should operate in this planet. And so watch this. There are people who are accepting his truth. So they're throwing out their ideology and they're accepting Jesus's truth. And so he's talking with his uh, Jews who believed in him. And he says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So what makes me a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm accepting his truth. I'm accepting his words, even if they contradict my previous held beliefs. I am letting Jesus be Lord and accepting his word as my truth. Keeps going here. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you see what he's saying when he says that? Your ideology is what is determining your reality. And if you want your reality to change, your ideology must change first. How you think about marriage, how you think about health, how you think about money, how you think about an enemy, how you think about politics, how you think about all these things. When it is replaced with my truth, the truth will then begin to create a new reality for, for you, which is the elimination of chaos and the beginning of freedom. And so he's, he's teaching him these things of like the truth will make you free. And then they answered him and said, we are Abra Abraham's descendants. Now, who's answering him is the Pharisees. We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say we will be free? Which is so interesting because literally the, the, the book of Exodus teaches us they were enslaved and enslaved and like it was bad and for hundreds of years. Uh, but they had, you know, ignored that truth. But watch what Jesus says unto them. Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly. And now you see why he begins with all those statements. When you see truly, truly, he's trying to combat the lie. Truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word, watch this, my word has no place in you. What's he saying? All the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that I'm giving you, you won't even let it register on your heart. 
How many of you, and don't raise your hand, how many of you are closed-minded on things? And you don't raise your hand because I know some of you are. And I know there are things that I'm closed-minded on. If someone came to you and tried to make you switch political parties, and they gave you evidence after evidence, you wouldn't believe it even if it was facts because now it's misinformation. And I'm not throwing out any political party. I'm saying that's the case for every single political party that has ever existed in the history of man. People don't want to hear anything other than what they've been taught. And where did that came, come from? It came from people who had certain beliefs, standards, and ideas that came to us, that came to us and formed beliefs, ideas, and those types of things. And it comes from multiple layers, and then we see life through that lens, and we're not open to anything else. And what has happened to the Pharisees is they are sitting here teaching all these people their ideology, and Jesus is coming and saying, you're wrong. And they're like, no, we're not, and we will kill you if you say, and like, they don't even hear themselves. We will kill you if you say anything different. Do you know one of the signs of pride is you can't teach it anything? And so out of this, he's like, my word has no place in you. You're, you're not creating any space for my thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And what did Jesus say? Go back up to verse 31. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. So what makes me a disciple of Jesus is my heart is open to God's word, his ideas, and his beliefs. He keeps talking here because I want you to see why they aren't open. Because who is the source of their beliefs? They answered and they said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. But you are doing the deeds of your father, they said unto him. We are not born of fornication. Now here, every theologian says they said this to be a slight on Jesus, that Mary got pregnant out of wedlock. And they're basically saying, you're talking to us about fatherhood. You didn't even have one. And out of this, they're attacking Jesus and they're attacking his mom. Now, out of this, we were not born out of fornication. We have one father and it's God. And Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you, watch this, why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are not open to my thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Okay, great. Why? Watch this. 44. For you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of who? Your father. Where are all these desires coming from? The devil. Now, if you ask them, all these beliefs that you have, where did they come from? They would say, well, from this person and this person and this generation before us, and this is how our daddies taught us, and this is how our mamas taught us, and this is how all these things kind of came to us. And he's like, okay, but where did that come from? These ideas of how you're handling money, where did they come from? These ideas of how I'm handling my body, where did they come from? These ideas of how marriage should be, where did they come from? These ideas of how a nation should be run, where did they come from? And Jesus is trying to get them to trace the origin of their beliefs. And they are saying, like, it came from our fathers. We're not fatherless. And he's like, well, it did come from your fathers, but not the father you're thinking about. There is a hidden enemy in your life that is feeding you thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And the reason why you think about that way that way is because somewhere along the lines, his ideas and filtrated your mind, formed your beliefs, and now has created your reality. For your adversary, the devil, Peter said, 
Paul said, you have moments where you are in evil days and you are not to be ignorant of his schemes. What are his schemes? Throughout the history of the planet, you see him in the area of influence. When we think of the devil, we think of like physical war. Don't think that. Think of like what the Russians did with the past election. Uh, we see them now in war in, a, in the Ukraine using bombs and drones and all these other types of things. But do you remember when information came out that they were about previous elections that they were sowing disinformation, creating a false truth that people were selecting as their truth? And when you think of the devil, a lot of people think of the exorcism and like people on walls and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, yes, keep thinking of me in that light. You know who I am? I'm the one who takes Jesus up on the hill, shows him the kingdoms of the world and shows them they don't even know it, but they're all submitted to me. And if you will bow your knee, I will give you their influence. And somebody says, well, that's not true. It, it had to be true or it wouldn't be a temptation. And he will use any medium he can use, literature, movies, television, all of these trees to influence your belief system, sitcoms, whatever he can, to influence your, your beliefs of this is how a family should be. This is how uh, health should be. This is how um, money should be. This is how all these things should be to create a reality in your life that is filled with chaos, darkness, and pain. And this is why we have so much chaos, darkness, and pain, because behind all of this, there is a thief stealing, killing, and destroying, and the way he's doing it is through all of this misinformation that is forming the belief system of people all over the planet. And his goal is to remain hidden, and his goal is to be un unexposed, and his goal is to remain in the shadows, because if you saw him, you would stop listening to him. And what we want to do is pull back the curtain and show you the little imp behind it all so that you resist him in the name of Jesus. Uh, let me show you a couple of examples, and I'll close and tell you some, some stories of my own life. So go over to Revelations 12 and verse 9. What time is it? 7.18? Okay. We'll go 12 more minutes. Revelations 12 and verse 9. Uh, here is uh, the end of the world, and we're, we're seeing all of this, which is really cool. The Bible shows you the, the future. Re Revelations 12 and verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan. Watch this. Watch this. Who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, what is he doing? He's deceiving. Um, I'll let you write these things down, and you'll go see them. If you're, you're familiar with Christianity, you know the stories. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Jesus is, brings his disciples together, and his disciples are, are being told that Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's going to suffer all these things. Now, this would be the equivalent of me telling you, like, I'm going on this trip and I know I'm going to suffer A, B, and C. And so your, your natural reaction would be, don't go. Like, if you know, don't go. And so Peter comes to Jesus when he hears Jesus talking about all this suffering that he's going to do on the cross um, and, and, you know, all the, these kinds of things. Peter comes to him and says... Be it far from you, Lord. And when you look up the wording, what it means, and some translations actually say this, it means feel sorry for yourself. Don't go. Now that sounds so innocent. But Jesus peels back the curtain. And you know what Jesus says? Get thee behind me, Satan. He's not addressing Peter. Peter's not Satan here. But the thought he's having is not coming from Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. 
For you savor not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. And he saw in that moment, there was a thought, there was an idea, there was a suggestion that Satan was using to try to take his life off track. Uh, Judas, uh, if you, 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 you know Judas' story in John 13 and verse 2. Uh, Judas is going to sell Jesus for silver. Uh, now, all of us could see, like, that's, a, that's not smart. Like, you, you don't sell Jesus. Uh, but he's about to betray him for silver. And the Bible literally, it's like, how could he have done that? The Bible shows us it was not his idea. Satan came and gave him a thought, gave him a suggestion, gave him an idea, and he acted on it. Why? I don't think he even saw him. And then after he did it, why is Satan doing all these things? Because he wants to bring chaos into your life. And a spirit of suicide came upon uh, him, and he went out and he hung himself. Well, why did that happen? Why is Saul throwing spears? Why is that level of evil in his life? It's not just him. Years ago, I went to the Ukraine. Years ago, 2018. And I'm there, and I, I felt something in the air. And I'm around all these Ukrainians, and I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, something is, like, there's oppression here. And they literally said, Russia wants us. And I'm like, why? And they're like, for our dirt. That our dirt feeds 40% of Europe, a good majority of Africa, and also is very profitable in the Middle East. Russia has a lot of land, but a lot of it's frozen. They want our ground. It's not about the buildings, which is why they don't care if they blow them up. It's not about the buildings. They want the farmland. It's also why when you look at a, the, most, the, the richest people in our nation, you know what they're doing right now all across the United States of America? Buying farms. Um, because the world's population is increasing, increasing, and the next commodity, it ain't oil, it's food. And so out of this, Russia wanted their land. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, that's, that's something I'm like, are y'all going to like seed back with them? They're like, no. But they knew something would happen. Now, out of this, you watch this war. And you can see like, okay, that's a, that's a natural desire. If, if, you know, we got a large population and we got to feed them, uh, it would be nice to have land that was fertile. That's a desire of the flesh. But what would make you kill for it? What would make you literally bomb it? How could something be so twisted? How could something be so evil? And it happens in our world all the time. Why? Satan hates us. And he will do anything he can to kill any one of us. He wants to hurt us. He wants to hurt our families and our nations. Why? Because God loves us. And nothing, makes me, nothing will make me madder than if you mess with my family. You mess with my wife, you mess with my kids, nothing would make me matter. And if you took them from me, nothing would break my heart more. And so anything to bring God pain, he knows he'll mess with you. And he's not just going to come and like throw himself and like, you know, get a priest and sling him against the wall. He gives government leaders thoughts, ideas, suggestions. And then people find themselves doing things like the Holocaust and wonder, how in the world did anybody let this happen? We see things all the time in our nation. And it's like, how did it get this way? I'll tell you how. His thoughts, his ideas, and his suggestions. In my own life. I knew I was called by God to pastor this church, like knew it. God spoke to me in a way that undeniable, and I, I don't have time to go into it, told the story before, undeniable that God spoke to me to pastor this church. But I'm young and I'm wounded. Years ago, I'm at Bible school. I'm young and I'm wounded. My father's passed away, but the call of God has been shown to me. I was in a relationship, a friendship, that people were having dreams about telling me to get out of it. Like literally calling me and being like, I had a dream. You need to get away from that. I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> hey, what were you doing at 18? <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm like, it's fine. 
Um, the world around me was telling me it was fine. My flesh wanted it to be fine. And the lie was telling me all of that was true. See, Satan wants the world to confirm his lie. So that it's not just inward, it's outward too, and it reinforces the ideology. And so everything around me, the world, is like, it's fine. And, uh, you know, my flesh was thinking, it's, it's fine. This relationship brought me comfort, all those types of things. But I'm literally having people having dreams and like, you need to get out of that. Like there's something there that's not right. Months go by, months and months and months go by. I'm not making any adjustments. I'm only making excuses. All these phrases that I use, they came by, I came by, I'm honest. Uh, the Lord's dealing with my heart. I'm, I'm not making any adjustments. I'm, I'm believing the lie as truth. And one day, you know, I'm at this place and we've developed a really strong connection and friendship Nothing that I had seen up to that point had, had been anything other than good. And we're sitting down and we're talking and we're being very transparent. And I was talking about my hesitancy to kind of come back and pastor this church. And I kid you not, they looked at me and they said, you know you don't have to do that, right? And when they said that, it went in my soul. And it was like the veil was, was pulled back and like chills went down my back. And I saw him, not the person, the devil. And that thought, that idea, that suggestion was being placed in my life to keep me from doing what I am doing today. And I can look back at my life. I've got 40 years of it now. I can look back at my life and I can see key mo I had a. I was in a conversation with somebody and they told me something and I saw it. I'm like, why did you tell me that? It was a thought, idea, and a suggestion about a person. And I knew it wasn't from them. It was from the enemy. For we are not ignorant of his devices. He wants a belief system formed in you that you are unlovable. He wants a belief system formed in you that no matter how hard you try, it's not going to work, so why even try? He wants a belief system formed in you um, that no matter what you do, it'll never work out for you. He wants a belief system formed in you that it's okay to get away with A, B, and C. He is trying to do whatever he can do to sow a lie in your heart, so much so that Jesus said, if you don't understand Mark 4, you don't understand anything. That God is sowing the word into your heart, which is new ideology. And he said, you know what Satan does? As soon as the word is sown in your heart, he comes for that truth. And God is trying to tell you your destiny and your call and all those other things. But until we see that there is an enemy out there that we need to resist, there will be a God that is never yielded to. And so what I want to do in the next couple of, of Sundays is I want to break this down more. And I want to show you this through scripture, and I want you to make a decision to build your ideology upon the truth of God's word, and everything that does not line up with that word, you replace that lie with God's truth. That we confront the world, we confront the devil, and we confront our flesh with the truth of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that you would open up the eyes of our understanding. That, Father, even in our own hearts and lives, everything that is a lie, everything that is rooted in something that is not of you, would you reveal that to us? Would you show that to us? 
Would you speak that to us? We want a new reality, but we know that you must confront our ideology. And as your disciples, would you allow us to let your word be our truth and to continue in that word? Just, I hear in my heart that just the lie of never. Like it'll never happen for you. It will never happen for you. It'll happen for others. It'll happen for them. They'll see it. They'll get it. But you, it'll never happen for you. I just hear the Lord saying, that is a lie. He is the father of lies and there is no truth in him. It will happen for you. You will hold the desire of your heart. You will hold what what your heart longs for. Reject that lie and believe God's truth. It will happen for me. It will happen for me. It will happen for me. Let that be on repeat for you. In the name of Jesus, it will happen for me. In the name of Jesus, I will hold my heart's desire. Never is a lie. Thank you, Lord. I could call out specific examples on that, but I don't want to get natural or or to, to let my mind drift there. But if that resonates with you, it is a lie. Never. That lie of never. It will never happen. It is a lie. It will happen for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, wash us with the water of your word. Let's end tonight in in worship. And, And while we're worshiping, just make a decision in your own heart tonight that you will allow Jesus to be the voice in your life that is your authority. And that everything that is a lie, you want it washed away. Even if you don't know what the lie is, that you want it washed away. And that you will open yourself up to the teaching of Jesus about everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's worship the Lord.